Well, for the first time in 2,000 years, Jews and Christians are learning how to relate to one another in mutual respect, to understand just how new and how delicate this relationship is, we must know our history and what brought us to this amazing moment. We also need to learn from those who have pioneered this relationship, to learn from their mistakes, to receive their advice. So this new series on Jews and Christians relating together will do just that. Welcome to the Israel Answers series, connecting Israel, the Bible, and you. Join Susan Michael as she explores timely issues and current events from a scriptural perspective to equip the Christian world with a balanced and biblical response. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes, which will ignite your faith and bring the Bible to life in your everyday world. Now, let's join Susan with your Israel Answers. Well, welcome to part one of Jews and Christians Learning to Relate, in which I am going to give a brief overview of the various stages that this relationship has gone through throughout history. We all know from reading the New Testament that in the early days of the Christian faith, Jews and Christians were inseparable. You couldn't tell the two apart except for the belief in whether Jesus was Messiah or not. The Jewish believers in Jesus went to temple, they went to synagogue, they celebrated all of the Jewish feasts and festivals. They were very Jewish and entrenched in the Jewish traditions and the Jewish community. Now, over the years, we read in the book of Acts how that tension began between these two communities. And there were periods where we read about in Acts where Jews actually persecuted the Christians. But we also had a growing tension inside the church between the original Jews who believed in Jesus and all of these Gentiles coming from a pagan background and coming into the church. There was a lot of disconnect, different worldviews, and a lack of understanding. But a momentous occasion happened in 70 AD and that was when the Jewish temple was destroyed by the Romans. The temple had acted as the headquarters of the Jewish faith for hundreds of years. It had actually served as the headquarters of the Christian community as well as they often met there uh, for prayer. And it seems like that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were there in the temple. Of course, the uh, leadership of the church was there in Jerusalem. It was made up of Jewish believers in Jesus, and they were monitoring and overseeing the growth of the church throughout the Roman Empire, seeing how it was made up of both Jews and pagans, and or former pagans, I should say. And they made the decision that these Gentiles coming into the faith did not have to convert to Judaism in order to accept Jesus. Of course, Jesus was Jewish, and he came as the Jewish Messiah. He was born into a context of Judaism that went all the way back to Abraham, really, when God chose Abraham and said through him he was going to make a great nation, and through them he was going to bless all the families of the earth. Well, that was the story of God's plan of redemption that was brought about by Jesus on the cross. So Jesus was Jewish, 
and what we would call the Jewish Messiah. But there was this growing Gentile Christian church that didn't understand the Jewish roots so much. Now, another moment in history that really brought about uh, the division, and let me back up, in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed, the headquarters for the Jewish faith moved up into the Galilee in a city named Yavne. At the same time, other centers of leadership were developing in the Christian world, in Alexandria of Egypt, in Antioch, and in Rome. So now there was not just a disconnect over the belief in Jesus, but there was a geographical separation of the leadership of these two faiths. Now in 135 AD, it's known as the Bar Kokhba Revolt, and this was the last Jewish revolt against the Roman rule. And the, uh, the Jewish leaders proclaimed Simon Bar Kokhba, the leader of this revolt, to be the Messiah, and therefore rallied the, everyone behind him to uh, participate in this rebellion and this revolt against the Roman Empire. Well, this put the Jewish believers in Jesus in a very difficult position. They could not follow Simon Bar Kokhba as Messiah. They knew that Jesus was the Messiah, so they did not participate in the revolt. As a result, they were seen as traitors. And in the fighting, some were killed. So this was a bloody and very uh, turbulent time that really brought about a complete severing of these two communities. Over the next 200 years, there were times of great Roman persecution of the Jewish people and Roman persecution of the Christians. And at times, Jews and Christians were coming together. And at other times, they were separating from each other because they didn't want to be persecuted with the other group. It's a very complex uh, situation. I'm kind of scanning over lots of uh, details and years of history just to make some points that Judaism and Christianity started out as really one tree. Um, they, Christians were seen as a sect of the Jewish religion. Over time, division occurred uh, against each other and between each other, geographical uh, division, all kinds of factors here that brought about a division. So that by the fourth century AD, when the emperor of Rome became Christian, uh, and within 50 years, Christianity was made the state religion of the Roman Empire. Uh, at this point now, Christianity ruled. Christians were no longer persecuted. And they were now in being infused with political power. And the uh, Jewish community then suffered the consequences of this. Um, there was still a good deal of interaction between Jews and Christians, and therefore early church fathers felt the need to bring about a complete division between Judaism and Christianity. They didn't want the Christians going in and out of the synagogues, so they began to preach against Judaism, against the synagogue. And this anti-Jewish or anti-Judaism teaching over the years then paved the way and became anti-Semitic, meaning that it, it 
paved the way for the discrimination and the persecution of the Jewish individual. It wasn't just against their religion, it was against them as a people. And uh, the terminology of the killers of God came about and Christians felt that they were um, empowered then to mistreat the Jewish people, to persecute them, to discriminate against them, that they were actually doing God a favor uh, by doing so. And centuries of this, uh, which I'm not going to go through in detail, but centuries of this kind of anti-Semitic teaching from the church then developed into anti-Semitic laws and legislation of the state because the state and the church were the same. You see, it was a state church and the head of the state was the head of the church. So there was a complete overlapping and mixture here. And the anti-Jewish theology produced anti-Jewish laws and legislation. There were periods of forced baptisms. There were periods of being rounded up into ghettos. Uh, there were even times when Jews were just expelled from countries and oftentimes in the name of the church as well as the state. So this means that we have gone from uh, two faiths that were so close, it was hard to distinguish between them, to a separation, to now Christianity has completely severed itself from its Jewish roots. And, um, you know, the Apostle Paul described our relationship to the Jewish uh, faith as um, we are wild olive branches that have been grafted into a tree of faith that goes all the way back to Abraham. That tree sustains us. It supports us. It feeds us. It nourishes us. But now the church has severed itself from the very root that supports it. And it's a very, very dangerous time, a very, very sad time. At the same time, Judaism has also gone through a major shift and a change because the Judaism that was developing in the diaspora was totally different from the Judaism of the first and second temple periods. Now there was no temple. There was no sacrificial system. There were no offerings. There was no Sanhedrin. And, um, and so Judaism had to adapt to this and develop a slightly a different theology, one that was more focused on prayer and on study as a way of uh, expressing repentance and receiving forgiveness. Now, back in the time of the New Testament, we know that there were four major sects of Judaism. We read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the New Testament and about the Zealots. There were also a movement called the Essenes, and, um, and so these four sects, Jesus interacted with, as well as did the disciples and the early church. After the destruction of the temple, uh, there was no longer Sadducees because they were made up of the priests in the temple. And there was no longer the Essene movement because the Essene movement was actually a reaction against the priests. The Essenes thought the priests were uh, corrupt and so the Essenes uh, were separated with a focus on holiness and purity. And then the Zealots, eventually they lost out to Rome. And so there were no need for Zealots and they died out. The only sect that remained post uh, the destruction of the temple and the Bar Kokhba revolt was 
the Pharisees, which today uh, is known as Rabbinic Judaism. The Pharisees were the rabbis. They were the teachers of the written law and the oral law, the oral traditions based on the law. And they continued to develop these, the sayings of the rabbis. And so today, the Judaism that we encounter and we see is known as Rabbinic Judaism, based on centuries of development of Rabbinic commentary um, on the written law and the oral law. So today, like in the United States, we have, um, you could say, three or four different major movements. Uh, You have the ultra-Orthodox, the Orthodox, the Conservative, and the Reform. Uh, the movement within Judaism. So you see how the two faiths not only grew apart, but they they developed in a certain trajectory that took them apart. And But the exciting news is, and what this series is going to be talking about, is that in the last 500 years, there has been an actual turning around um, in both Christianity and Judaism, and what do I mean by that? Well, I'll explain to you very specifically what I mean. About 500 years ago, a major occurrence happened in the Christian faith, and that was the translation of the Bible into the everyday languages and its mass production through the printing press and distribution so that the everyday Christian had a Bible in their hands. They could actually read what the Bible said, and they immediately saw that Jesus was Jewish, that Christianity had come out of Judaism, and that God had made all kinds of promises to the Jewish people that one day they were going to be restored to their ancient homeland. And these Christians began to not just pray for that return of the Jews to the homeland, but over time actually got involved in the story of the return of the Jewish people to their land. Now, this brought about a whole new movement within Christianity. It's a Bible-based segment of Christianity, and it's what we call evangelical Christianity. It is the fastest-growing segment of Christianity worldwide, and one day will be the largest segment of Christianity. That is the wonderful news, a Bible-based segment, um, Bible-based faith. And um, at the same time, the Jewish people began a turn, and they began a return to their ancient homeland. And this too took, uh, you know, a couple hundred years to actually develop. Now they're back in their land today. There's still no temple, and uh, but the Jewish people have taken a major step towards the prophetic fulfillment, their prophetic destiny. Um, as the chosen people of God is called to be God's vehicle of redemption. Now, this history brings us not up just up to the birth of the state of Israel, but also the Holocaust. And I'm only going to make two comments about the Holocaust. The Holocaust actually shook the world. And I think that it helped to propel forward what was already going to happen. It was inevitable. The Jewish people were going to have a homeland. Um, But the Holocaust did help the world to support that establishment. The other thing it did is it shook Christianity. And the Christian churches that were predominant there in Europe uh, were aghast at what had happened right under their noses. 
and with their silent acquiescence. And so the Catholic Church reassessed its theology towards the Jewish people. It changed its liturgy on Good Friday uh, towards the Jewish people. And it really reached out in friendship, in mutual respect with the Jewish people. The Lutheran Church actually disavowed some of the writings of Martin Luther that had uh, become anti-Semitic. And many mainline denominations around the world then followed suit and made statements um, of friendship towards uh, the Jewish people and respect for Judaism. Um, so this completes our little survey from the time of the New Testament up through the Holocaust. And um, I'm going to link in today's show notes to uh, an episode or two that go into more depth in this history. If you want to know more about the history of Christian anti-Semitism, I'm going to link to that in today's show notes. But I want you to come back next week when we are going to complete the survey and talk about the changes that have happened since the Holocaust. And to cover that for us, we are going to have with us a pioneer in evangelical Jewish relations, Dr. Marvin Wilson. Dr. Wilson literally wrote the textbook on this, and we're going to link to that in today's show notes. I recommend that you get it. It's called Our Father Abraham, The Jewish Roots of the Christian Faith. If you are going to read any book about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith and about Jewish-Christian relations in our day, this is the book. You need to get it and to read it and to learn from it. But we're going to have the opportunity next week to learn from Dr. Wilson. So I want you to come back. I will see you then. And until then, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.